Hello and welcome to Financial Education for the Nation. My name's Warren Shoot and I'm here today on this really cold, wintry day. Um, and we're in October. I can't believe it. My hands are actually cold. I'm sat in my office, which is normally lovely and toasty. Uh, but outside, the wind is blowing and it's a bit miserable. And we're going to cheer things up. We're going to talk about how can we get on the housing ladder. Saving for your first house. It's a massive, massive, humongous purchase. Um, something that is quite overwhelming when you're starting out. I can remember back in 1995, Nikki and I bought our first house and um, it was a challenge. Um, thankfully, um, massive thank you to John and Jenny who helped us out a little bit with the purchase. That's Nikki's parents. Um, but we had to do a lot of effort. We had to save up a lot of the deposit ourselves as well. And um, things were different then. It was easier, I guess. You know, the mortgage market was a lot more relaxed um, and it was easier for us to get onto the housing ladder. So I wanted to reach out, and whether you're a parent with a child who's looking to get on the housing ladder, or whether you are, yourself, watching this, looking to get on the housing ladder. If you are, I congratulate you for actually um, paying so much attention to your financial education. It's amazing, and you've got one thing that the rest of us have less of, and that's time. If you're a first-time buyer and you're younger, time is so valuable when it comes to creating wealth, and um, you've got it in abundance, so well done you. But I want to sort of share with you my sort of views on getting on the housing ladder. Don't shoot the messenger, okay? The, this is one method, one way of doing it. Um, it works. I've shared it with my clients um, over the years and they've shared it with their children or their children have come in. Uh, we invite our clients' children into the office. Uh, we don't charge for clients under 30 and we just give them advice and help them um, get things sorted, get them straight. Um, and it works. I'm going to share the same information with you. Hopefully, you will then descend it and pass it down to your um, children or grandchildren or whoever it might be. It's a way of getting onto the housing ladder. So, this is a national site, okay, as well. I respect that some of you watching this will be in London and you'll look at those figures, these figures, and you'll say, Really? Can I get it that cheap? Um, and some of you will be looking at it saying, I'm a first time buyer, I don't need anything that big. Because the, the price differential in the UK is huge. You look in uh, in London versus different areas of the UK um, and the price differential is massive. All I would say is I would hope if you are living in a more expensive area that you're able to get access to higher earnings. Now I appreciate that's not always the case. If you're in, the, in London and you're working in an area which is just in a field that's just lower paid, but it's your passion or your contribution to society, I applaud you. But don't necessarily um, discount the option of possibly um, buying and maybe renting some rooms out to supplement or buying outside of the area and commuting in. It's not a great work-life balance when you do Obviously, if you've got lots of commuting, it can be very tiring. Or possibly buying and then eventually letting that property out and then moving into the city or into London or wherever you are and renting there. Um, it doesn't just go for London. I appreciate there's areas of Scotland that are more expensive and other areas of the UK and Manchester and stuff that you go into the middle of these cities and they, the house prices are more expensive. So um, it, it, you just got to be a bit more creative in your thinking and say, well, okay, I'm going to actually buy outside and then commute in or, for example, I'm going to buy and let that out. At least I know I'm on the housing ladder. And perhaps one day when I'm fed up with the hustle and bustle of the city, I want to move out of the city um, and I can move back there. So there are other options. But this is a strategy, okay? So, um, UK house, first-time buyer prices. So 
the average price across the UK is about £210,000, according to Halifax. Now, from my feeling, over the last few years, nothing's really happened with house prices. So that's probably going to be pretty consistent if you're, you know, whenever you're sort of watching this over the next few years at least. Um, we're going through a period of un un uncertainty, politically and economically. So I can't see house prices shooting off. So £210,000 is a fair benchmark. Why don't you get yourself onto um, Zoom or not Zoom, sorry, Zoopla or um, Rightmove and have a look at the, the prices in your area so you've got some kind of information of your local figures. Um, the average UK for a 25 year old in the UK is about £21,000 a year. So how does that fit with your uh, metrics, what you're earning? Uh, you might be on a um, career path where you're earning less now and but potentially going to earn a lot more. Um, and if you're a professional, there are certain lenders out there, Scottish Widows, Rings to Bell, um, that look after professionals, so um, doctors, um, accountants, lawyers, I think architects, where if you earn a lower salary during your training period, um, they'll lend you a higher multiple because they know as long as you carry your professional uh, training, you will be earning more money later on, so they support those. Um, but £21,000 is an average income um, in the UK after, for a 25-year-old. Uh, um, after tax take-home pay, that works about £1,485 a month take-home pay. So um, based on a uh, £42,000, so a joint income, looking at a couple um, buying a property together, it's about £42,000, and you're looking at a mortgage about four times that figure, so £168,000. So mortgage lenders no longer lend on direct multiples. They look on affordability. There's a lot more number crunching goes on in the background. But as a general rule of thumb, you could probably say about four times wouldn't be unreasonable. If you've got particularly good credit score, you could expect slightly higher. If you have a, a worse or poor credit score for whatever reason, you might expect something lower. But as a generalization, that's sort of the remit we're in. Um, go on to um, Experian, get your credit report, have a look at it, and read through your credit report. Not people just get it and just sort of flick through it, but read through it and make sure everything on there is fair and accurate. And if it's not, challenge it, raise it. Um, if you do put a note on your credit report, so you explain something, just expect every credit you apply for, whether it's a mobile phone or um, a mortgage, to get referred. Um, and that's because a computer can't read the word necessarily. They have to sort of get a human to read that and think, okay, I understand what you've explained there. It doesn't mean you're going to be declined every time. It just means you'll be referred. Um, and sometimes it actually helps your credit report if you can give some kind of explanation. So get your credit report. Make sure that you disassociate anything that is not um, or dissociate anybody that is not uh, connected with you. If I looked on my credit report, there were some people on there that shouldn't have been on this. So I disassociate those. I cleaned up my credit report and that helped me when we first bought our house back in 1995, back in the day. So joint income, £42,000, um, £168,000 mortgage based on a four-time multiple. Um, so if we're looking at a £210,000 purchase price, you're looking at about a £42,000 deposit. So the difference between the two hundred and ten and the £168,000. So that works out to be 20%. So £42,000 is 20%. Um, there's no stamp duty charged for first-time buyers up to £300,000. Um, and this is a contentious point where you go in the country and if there's any conveyances listening, they might challenge these. But generally speaking, first-time buyer legal fees, 
I don't think you're looking much more than um, seven, eight hundred pounds, and then maybe a couple hundred pounds for um, a valuation fee. Although we do recommend you do like a home buyer's report, which is a bit more comprehensive, so you have a bit more information about the property you're buying, um, particularly if it's not a new build, particularly if not a new build. So we're all in there, 42, maybe 43,000 pounds needed to be saved um, between you as a couple. So how are we gonna do that? The best place to save for your first time house deposit is through the Lisa. Get Lisa to help you out. So a lifetime individual savings account. So a Lisa is a form of an ISA. It's available for people aged 18 to 40. You start clicking over into your 40th. It's no longer available to you, but you have to open this Lisa between the age of 18 and 40. And have a think parents, if you are going to help your children with a house deposit, would it be an idea to start a Lisa for them now? They have to put it in their name, but you can help contribute to it so that this fund starts building up. The reason a Lisa is so advantageous is that every contribution into a Lisa up to £4,000 a year attracts a 25% bonus. Okay, so that's so important. Money into an ISA, a cash ISA or a stocks and shares ISA or a junior ISA does not attract a bonus but a contribution to a Lisa, a lifetime individual savings account, does attract a 25% bonus. So for example, if you were able to put the maximum 4,000 pounds into a Lisa, a thousand pound bonus, 25%, would be added to the fund. It gets added on every contribution. As long as that Lisa is running for a year, that bonus is kept. And you can use the Lisa for one of two purposes. The first is to buy your first home. There's some criteria around that. And the second is retirement. And there's some criteria around that. But as a general rule of thumb, if you're watching this about buying your first home, a Lisa is the best home for your first £4,000 of contributions. Remember, this is £4,000 per person per tax year. So if you're buying it as a couple, that's £8,000 you can put away per year to save towards your retirement, uh, sorry, your house purchase, and then you get £2,000, so 25%. So they're separate, they don't combine them, they are separate. So unfortunately, if you started this and then you actually decided it probably was the wrong idea, this isn't the right person I should be buying the house with, you separate, your ISAs are your own. So you take your leases with you and you can use it to buy a house in your own name or with your new partner when you find a new partner. So um, lifetime ISA, best home for you to start saving for your house deposit um, and you get a 25% bonus on top of anything you add in to the, uh, contribute to the Lisa up to £4,000. They replaced the help to buy ISA which is the precursor to those so you can no longer over, open a help to buy ISA the Lisa is a the, the um, replace successor that's what Rodar is for is the successor. So how long is it going to take us to save this money? Okay, so if we split the £43,000 down to an individual, so we work on an individual basis, let's assume you both earn a similar amount of money and you're both going to be targeted to save up your own share of the cost towards buying this property. It takes you about 23 months to save £21,500 if you saved half of your income. Okay, so I know that's a big commitment. So let's go back a stage. We said you're earning £21,000. So that's take-home pay around £1,485 a month. Okay, so £1,485 a month. If we're able to save half of that, so just over £700 a month, 
it's going to take us about 23 months to save the £21,500, which is my contribution towards a joint deposit of £42,000 and £1,000 towards costs. Now, some of you might be thinking, Warren, what planet are you on? Saving half of that money is impossible. It's all going to depend on your individual circumstances. Some of you listening will be at home and, and um, have fairly modest outgoings and therefore saving half of your income is very, very reasonable. Other of you watching will be living in a rented property already, will have children and find, actually, this is just not possible. I'm going to switch this video off. Or the only thing that happens is you change the time frame. So if you can't save half and therefore take about two years to do it, you save what you can and you just extend the period of time in which it takes. So let's say, for example, you can save a quarter. It's going to take you four years. And I think it's reasonable to say that most, if not all of you, will be able to save, be able to save a quarter of your net income. If you can't, then we need to go and revisit the bank account system, have a look at what expenditure you've got there, and then look at see if we can add uh, increase our cash inflows, our earnings as well. But that's for another topic. Let's stay on track, Warren. Let's stay on track, so don't move around. So we're gonna make the assumption you're gonna save half. You're gonna really go for this. You're saving half of your net income um, it, uh, each month, and that money then is gonna go into the lifetime ISA. That lifetime ISA is gonna attract the 25% bonus, and over a two-year period, you're gonna save up the money. So you would have contributed 17,200 pounds over a 23-month period, actually, just over 23 months, but let's say two years. 17,200 pounds plus the bonus of 4,300, that's gonna give you the 21,500 pounds, okay? Now, you might be finding that you're gonna exceed the um, allowance in the lifetime ISA. So you're gonna start saving more than 4,000 pounds a year. If that's the case, you just then look out for the highest rate deposit account that's available out there. Now, I want you to go to the highest rate deposit account and not necessarily a cash ISA, because it is very, very likely that you're all going to receive interest tax-free anyway. And therefore, a cash ISA carries less advantage in today's tax environment, okay? Previously, before we had the personal savings allowance, which is basically the amount of money you can receive each year tax-free from interest, um, cash ISA is very attractive. And if this money was just general savings, then a cash ISA has a place because we can transfer that ISA allowance into a stocks and shares ISA at a later date. But because our outcome for this money is specifically for a house deposit in two years, or three years or four years, whatever time frame that works for your for your family, then putting the money into the best interest rate account to get the best return is the best home for it because there's no um, additional benefit for carrying on that lifetime allowance, sorry, that ISA allowance after the house purchase. So um, I do acknowledge that 50% of your net income is a uh, commitment, but it depends on how important this house purchase is and how urgent it is for you okay um one thing that i talk to my clients about is generally speaking when a young couple get together one of the things they're going to consider doing for most of them is to have a family and for a lot of the time when they have a family it's likely that one of them sometimes the husband sometimes the wife will decide to stay at home and not return to work and they will decide to stay at home to raise the children that's an older fashioned approach, but it is still the most common, if I'm honest. Um, or if, if the um, 
one of them goes back to work part-time, maybe when the children are older. But let's run the scenario. You're a couple, you have a, a child, and one of you decides, or you decide between yourself, that actually I want to stay at home and raise my children. You're going to go down to one income, guys, which is 50%. So what's the difference between deciding now intentionally, I choose to save 50%, and I'm going to direct that money towards a house deposit for my, uh, for my family so we can buy it for our first home, or actually circumstances are dictating, because of the new family unit, that we're going to go down to one income. Now you might be sat there saying, well actually I'm not gonna go down to one income, we won't be able to afford to do that, and I respect that decision, but this is a choice. And often, what I find, in myself included, our lifestyle can meet our income. Um, and if we were to reduce and look at our outgoings and look at our spending habits, we could reduce some. Maybe not 50%, but we could reduce some. And therefore, there is flex there. So we're working on a 50% of your net income being um, allocated towards your house deposit and using the lifetime ISA for this purpose. Let me now talk to you about how can we try and make sure that 50% um, works. So saving 50% of your net income, so based on the 1,485 pounds of net take-home pay, we're looking to save around about 740 pounds a month. Now, we run the bank account system and a quick overview of the bank account system basically says that your salary, your income, goes into your bills account. And you automate as much of your monthly spending as possible. And you set things up on direct debit and standing order. It all comes out of your bills account. And there should be two payments from that bills account that are committed for everyone. One of them is your savings. And one of them is your WAM. Your WAM is your general spending money and your savings in this instance is generally going to be towards your house deposit. I want your bills, so excluding your WAM and your savings, I want all of your other bills to be no more than 50% at most of your net income. And your WAM normally should be no more than 30% and your savings and debt repayment should be about 20%. So there's some general parameters. So of your total income, 50% of it is generally allocated towards your bills, 20% is allocated towards your um, debt repayment and savings, and 30% is allocated to your general savings, which we call WAMs, your walkabout money. That's the 50-30-20 principle that we work with. Now, that's fine, but that's only allocating 20% towards saving, and we really want 50. So where do we get the other 30% from? This is gonna be down to an individual, okay? This is dependent on your individual circumstances. As I said before, if you're living at home, it really wouldn't be unreasonable, I wouldn't have thought, to reduce that 50% down to towards maybe 30 and freeing up 20 there, and then maybe reducing your wham, your 30% down to 20, freeing up 10% there. So we've now got new sort of metrics. Um, if you're in a relationship and have a child and renting somewhere, well actually it just may not be realistic to reduce your 50% down to 30. Maybe we're just gonna have to short term cut it down to 40 and reduce a little bit so you've got 10% there and make the other up through your wham. I don't want you to reduce your general spending too much. And the reason for that is we can all hold our breath for a certain period of time and we can all go on a diet and exclude our favorite choices for a certain period of time but this is going to take a prolonged period of time. This is going to take at least two years. And for some of you, it might take three or four years. It's unlikely you can say no to all those things 
for a long period of time. And therefore, making sure there is a bit of balance in your budget and making sure it looks fair and reasonable is more important than getting it done in a shorter time period. So from the bank out system, you've got your bills account and all of your bills should equal no more than 50%. And in this circumstance, I particularly would like to get them down to maybe 40 or perhaps maybe 35 if you're really going to go for it. And I want you to look at each payment that comes out your bills account and ask yourself, do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get the same experience for less for the next two years? That's all it is, two years, 24 months. It'll go in a heartbeat. And if you ask any older person, time seems to speed up as we get older. So trust me, it will go in a heartbeat. So do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? What the outcome is, is for us to reduce your expenditure in your bills and therefore free up more money so we can save it. So this is then going to contribute towards the currently 20%. Now, there are things that you generally can go without for two years, I'm sure. You can go without your subscription TV. You know, we get terrestrial TV, um, so we get like the BBCs and Channel 4 and stuff for free. The two-year period, I'm sure it's not going to kill you to go without that. You can go without a new phone for a period of time. You can go without the top um, internet provider or service for a period of time. You can go without going on an international holiday for a period of time. You, there are things that you can do. It depends on what's more important, the thing that you want or the property. It's a choice matter and we all have choices. So no more than 50%, preferably let's shrink this down to about 35%. Do I need this? Do I want this? Can I get a similar experience for less? Then we go on to our general spending, our WAM, which we generally allocate 30% towards. And again, that covers all our variable expenditure. So our fuel in our car, our travel, to our meals out and our going out on weekends and things. It's very reasonable that we can reduce that 30% down as well. Maybe not going out every week, but every other weekend. Maybe changing our habits. Because when we move into our house, we're going to have additional expenses as well. So it's very sensible to start planning or working those habits now. So can we reduce our 30% maybe down to 20 or maybe even 15 if possible so we halve the amount of money we've got. So we've got 15% there, we've got 15% from our bills added to our 20, we've got our 50%. I understand this is an extreme case. This is really cutting it back and it's getting you to over two year period. But people are doing it out there. People are doing it and they can do it. It depends on how important it is to you. So there's only three things we can do. Simplify it nice and easy. Um, you can increase cash inflows. So we can look to go out and get an additional work. That might free up things a little bit easier. Maybe doing a job at the weekend, working in a bar or waiting or waitressing. Um, it stops you spending money going out. So it's kind of a double wham. You're not spending money going out, but you're actually earning money um, doing it that way. Doing some side hustles, some, some work on the side. There's lots of stuff online. I'm a real advocate of selling stuff on eBay and Facebook Marketplace. So getting additional income streams. If you're a real high achiever, you could probably even say, well, I'm gonna cut my expenditure, I'm gonna work weekends, and in the evening when I come in from work, I'm gonna list things on Facebook and um, eBay to sell things. You've got all three things going on. But first thing is to increase cash inflows, and there's a way of doing that. Um, reduce cash outflows is pretty much what we've just done, gone through the bills account. Um, do I need this, do I want this, can I get similar experience for less? Reducing everything down to 
bare minimum uh, for a period of say two years so you can go without anything for that period of time. Um, and then improving investment returns. It's a short period of time we're looking at here, two, maybe three years to get ourselves on the housing ladder. Um, really the lifetime ISA gives you a 25% bonus which is amazing, much better than any other um, vehicle is going to do. And you're saving over a two or three year period so we don't want to invest it in the stock market. Remember the stock market investing is five, preferably seven years or more. So that short period of time really needs to be in deposit or um, deposit type um, investment. So lifetime ISA on deposit or some kind of high interest savings account is gonna be the best place um, that you can put your money. Um, hopefully that's given you a real good sort of overview of how you can do this and make sure that you can um, get on the housing ladder. Um, please, 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 if you're considering this, make sure you repay your debt First. So if you have credit card debt, car loans, that kind of thing, I'm not so worried about student debt, to be honest, because of the way it works, unless you're going to be a high earner. If you're going to be a high earner, then it would make sense to pay that off. But credit card debt, loans and things, buy your first house without any other unsecured debt first. So pay that down and pay it off first. If you want information on that, we've got the Snowball Repayment Plan, which you can get details on our website. There's a spreadsheet you can download to help you with that and then start saving for your house debt-free. So it might be a two-stage process for you. You might currently have some credit card debt which you need to repay, so we're gonna embark on that journey, repay that off first, and then you're gonna embark on the um, house deposit savings plan. But when you move into your house, I, I can remember myself back in 95, moved in, and I was a financial advisor then, um, it seems I've always ever done, um, and there were just bills coming at me from everywhere. You know, it wasn't only just the utilities, you know, the, the gas, electric, council tax, insurances, the mortgage. Um, it was um, the partial payment. So they maybe didn't charge you for the first period for electric because they haven't got things set up. And they said, oh, but you owe us that period of time because the account wasn't set up, so you've got to back pay that. Um, then there was obviously buying furniture for the house and groceries and stuff. It's the best of times, but it's the most challenging of times as well. It's the best times because the first time ever you walk in and it's yours and you look around and think, one day I'll actually own this mortgage free. This is fantastic. So you're in there and you love it. But on the same breath, you've got to make sure you're organized. You've got to make sure you're financially organized and don't get behind with anything. And going in debt free is a great way. Um, it's a journey. The two years, three years, how long it's going to take you to save this deposit up is a journey. Um, and you'll find challenges along that journey in forks in the road. And some of those might be that all your friends who either had a house already because their parents have helped them or they don't really worry about a house are going to go off traveling and you're invited. And you've got to understand, you know, do you go with them or do you stay true to your um, request of buying your first property? There isn't a right answer. I think both of them are great. You need to decide what's right for you. Okay, um, and I create a vision board. I'd say a vision board would be a great idea. Create a vision board, just a little pin board or even something on your computer. Uh, get a photograph of the ideal kind of house that you think you can buy. So it's not Buckingham Palace, it's the house that you want to buy. Does that make sense? It's the house that you want to buy. Get a picture of that in the middle and start writing pictures, uh, sort of writing quotes and things around it. Why do you want it? What is your why? Simon Sinek wrote the book on, I think it's called Why. And it's true. It's if you've got a big enough why, you'll find a way, okay? So it's about getting the reason why. Why do you want this place? Don't do it because everyone else is doing it. Why do you want the house? Why are you going to sacrifice the going out, the having fun, um, maybe other things, holiday, travel, learning, to get you this house? What's your why? What's important? So run a few sentences so that you can come back to that. So when 
times are tough, because two years is a long time, times can be tough, you know why you want it. Keep that forefront of your mind. But um, watch this again. Please message me with any comments. If I can help you, I will. I'd love to do that. I am still responding to all the messages that we get because I enjoy it so much. But sometimes I think, how am I going to do this? Um, which is great as well. Um, thank you so much for watching and listening. I do appreciate it. Uh, feedback to me and let me know. Um, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give me a recommendation. Um, it helps other people find the channel and the feed much easier. Thank you so much. My name's Warren Shute. This has been Financial Education for the Nation and until next time, take care.